DAB Plus. Online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. UFL All Access on TalkSport 2. Hello, good evening, welcome to EFL All Access with me, Hugh Wilson-Croft. Uh, this weekend, it was a roller coaster on the South Coast as Southampton come from two down at half-time to make it 22 championship games unbeaten. This is football, the expectation is huge because of the way the team has performed, which is amazing. Coventry had to come from behind as well. Sunday delight for Hadji Wright at the double to fire them into the top six. 15 games to go, we're in the pack. You know, wherever we're positioned at the moment, we're just in there and, and, and fighting for uh, a space in, the, in, those, in those playoffs, if we possibly can do. And Nathan Jones fell back into EFL management with a bump as Charlton's relegation worries worsened at Reading's expense. As I said, I know the old cliche is Rome won't build in a day and, and you, you don't build big things in, uh, in, you know, in three or four days. Also, what's happened to Wrexham? Carl Robinson's very good start at Salford. Stress for Steven Schumacher at Stoke. And a big first game in charge coming up at Blackburn for John Eustace. Loads for us to discuss as always. This is EFL All Access. I am Hugh Wisencroft. Uh, hello, welcome once again alongside me, the former Arsenal Stevenage and South End midfielder Adrian Clark. Good evening, Aid. Good evening, Hugh. You are right? I'm okay, mate. I, I had a very fortunate weekend. What can I say? I mean, listen, I won't talk about your former club, Arsenal. Less said about them, the better. All focus <laughs> was on Southampton, right? The real quality this weekend, albeit not in the first half against Huddersfield. I, I, you know, I just... The experience of being at St. Mary's was such a... It was jaws on the floor, you know. Huddersfield, two goals up. Everyone fearing the worst. This incredible run, I'm pretty sure... You know, all of the, the home fans had come to see five goals scored by their team. They got it in the end, but they weren't expecting to concede three. And all of us were thinking this could be a huge three points for Huddersfield. The first part of the second half was always going to be so important. And Joe Rothwell pulled out a worldie. And when he did, you thought, by hook or by crook, somehow Southampton are winning this game. Yeah, it, it was one of the games of the season. No doubt about that. It, it goes to show the belief that the players have in each other in Russell Martin and, and what he's asking them to do because 2-0 down and then not only that, but they pulled it back to two apiece and then they, they were unfortunate. Big deflection goes against them. They're 3-2 down. You could be forgiven for thinking it's not our day, but but they came on strong again. And what I thought was amazing about this game, apart from that Rothwell goal, which was the the sweetest of volleys, that, that was perfection. Mm. In, in a snapshot there, picture-perfect goal. What was amazing about this game is that all of the goals, all of the assists came from the bench. Yeah. And, um, you know, Rothwell, two goals and kind of an assist. Brooks, two assists. Adozi got a goal. Mara got a goal and an assist. Southampton have had a very settled team, Hugh. Mm. But the guys that have been on the periphery and those that have just joined the group, you know, they've, they've been given an opportunity and have taken it. So it's going to be fascinating to see whether Russell Martin changes up his team for the next game. Do you know what's interesting? You know, I asked Russell Martin after the game about the impact that the bench is going to have for the rest of the campaign. He said it's already, to be honest, had a great uh, impact and we're going to need it all the way through. You look at, at teams like Leeds United, for example, you know that there, there is strength on their bench at the moment. We've spoken about it in the first half of the season. But I thought in the summer... 
Southampton's squad had obviously lost a lot of quality. Mm. And you thought, not that the bench was light, obviously there was talent there, but so Mm. many young, inexperienced players that you were kind of thinking, you know, there's talent, okay, but is it enough in a grueling season in the EFL to these young players? And and, and the other thing is, of course, they've all joined a Premier League club, right? They're young players who thought this was going to be their stepping stone towards probably a a top six team. So the fact that he's been able to turn it around in the way that he has both psychologically and then in particular this January add real quality to his bench, I think two real positives. Yeah, but those young players you talk about, going down was probably the best thing that could have happened for their prospects Mm. because they're closer to the first team all of a sudden. And when you go down from the Premier League, you have to get rid of players that won't fancy it because the championship is tough. And I think they've done a really good job of that. You look at the names and you think, whoa, they've lost so many good players, but you only want players that want to be in the championship for for one season only. You know, you want players that, that, that will buy in. And I think that, that Russell Martin has got that. I think, yeah, after that sticky start, it's been magnificent. And when I saw them in the flesh myself last week at Rotherham, I was a little bit blown away by the quality of their play on and yeah. off the ball. Yeah. Without the ball, they worked incredibly hard. Now, they had a poor first half here. Huddersfield were great, played with bravery, took it to them, um, but they found a way. So, yeah, I, th- I think that's that's a big, big result for Southampton. And, and also a confidence booster for Huddersfield in their quest for survival. <clears throat> We're going to come to them in a little bit more detail in a second. Let's very quickly hear from Russell Martin. His side, 22 league games unbeaten, beat Huddersfield 5-3. Uh, they're 11 points behind the table toppers Leicester with a game in hand. Maybe they're thinking about the title, but the best thing they'll be thinking about is automatic promotion. One point ahead of Leeds, four points ahead of Ipswich right now. What will he take from this victory at the weekend? Let's find out. We conceded the same goals, same amount of goals today that we conceded over the last 10 games here which is disappointing and frustrating, but we will learn from that. And um, I think we'll, we'll grow a huge amount from this, for the resilience they show, the togetherness, the atmosphere at the end, the crowd, the way they stuck with this team. I think they know they're not going to give up. I think the team's grown so much. Um, so, yeah, I think, we will, I think we'll take a lot from this. Five second half goals created that amazing atmosphere. Who's at half-time felt incredibly premature and a little bit unfair. What did you make I of it? I understand it up. I was as frustrated and um, disappointed as anyone, but so were the players in the dressing room. So the feeling, I didn't really hear it too much because at that point, I'm not frustrated, probably taken over a little bit, but um, yeah, the feeling at the end eclipses any of that. So it's um, this is football. The expectation is huge because of the way the team's performed, which is amazing. Um, but I hope that the supporters, and I'm sure they were because they've been amazing with us, I'm sure they'll feel as proud as I do at the end of the game and as, as happy as I did with the spirit show. Listen, if you were sitting within about 30 metres of the dugout, you knew that Russell Martin definitely cared during that first half. Can't repeat what he was saying, but he certainly felt that his side needed to be doing a little bit more, and the officials too, maybe a little bit frustrated. Uh, John Worthington in the opposite dugout. Listen, I've been to the last two Huddersfield games. What can you say about a team that's down there at the bottom? Yet three points from these two games, I think they would have thought was, you know, something that, that they could certainly aim for. That's what they've got. Maybe halfway through the game at St. Mary's, they would have been thinking about a little bit more. But when you think about the fact they've gone away from home against the informed team in the league, scored three goals and put in a really good account of themselves off the back of those two matches I've seen, if they can keep that going, they are not going to be relegated. No, it, they look much better, don't they? Mm. It's uh, They're creating a lot more chances. They outshot Southampton in this game, which is an achievement in itself. Um, to score four against Sheffield Wednesday and then 
and then three against Southampton is fantastic. And yeah, look, it's good to see someone like Sorba Thomas coming back into mm. form. Josh Caroma as well. You know, they've they've been stalwarts for Huddersfield, but they've sort of tailed off this season. I think Alex Matos is is a good addition in the heart of that midfield. Big strong boy, technically decent player. So yeah, look, they're I think even though they're in trouble in regards to relegation, confidence is probably relatively high for them at the minute. When they look back at the chances. I mean, they could have scored five or six themselves, to be perfectly honest. So they can take a lot of pride from their performance away at St. Mary's. But the Southampton and the Saints rolling on in style. Uh, Ipswich's form is stuttering at the moment. What can we say about them? It's just one mm. win in nine games for Kieran McKenna's side now after a two-all draw at home to West Brom. They did need a 93rd-minute equaliser from Amari Hutchinson live on TalkSport 2 on Saturday to take a point from that game. Now, for me, I've started to feel like there was a high pressure on Ipswich. And I I don't mean this in a disparaging way. I feel like the club is almost, you know, the underdog mentality mentality that's going to come in from where they are in the league might actually help them. Because, you know, for me, I was watching a side, when they scored that goal, the happiness, the enjoyment, and I was sitting there going, guys, you need wins, you need wins, you need to get automatic promotion. What are we doing here? Why are we so happy about a point? And actually... I think Kieran McKenna's got the the culture right. They were promoted from League One last year. They're enjoying the ride. They're right up there. They're comfortable for the playoffs. They could easily go to the Premier League. So why put a negative uh, impression onto the team? Completely agree. I think I think he's setting the tone with the with the right mentality. Yeah, enjoy it. This this no no one expected them to be this good, and they st- they still are a very very good team. They outshot West Brom in this game twenty one five. Mm-hmm. Had lots and lots of chances. And then the goalkeeper's having a difficult run of form. I think he probably should have stopped the, se- the, the second goal. And I also think the defence, that there is a weak spot in that in that back four. Pace, they can be undone by it. And it was it was, it was was a poor goal to concede when when fellows run through and, and, mm-hmm. and got past mm-hmm. Wolfenden. So so that's something that they've, they've got to work on. But again, with them, just like Southampton, the subs came on and made a difference yet again. McKenna is brilliant. At knowing when to bring the right players on at the right time. And, and quite often in recent weeks, matches that they could easily have lost, they've got points from because of the changes that he's made. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be down at all if I was an Ipswich fan. They're, they're still in the mix. They, for me, as a football club, as a squad of players, maybe as a manager, quite comfortable with where they are. And, and, and look, I don't want to say they've cracked under the pressure over the Christmas period because they had some extremely difficult Top games. So, yeah, exactly. Fixtures during that period of time. And it's just the way that their fixtures came out of the hat, if you like. But, um, you know, when you think about the mindset of the club right now and, and a possible playoff finish, I think they just get back to enjoying themselves and playing the football that they were playing at the start of the season. It, in fact, probably increases their chances of coming second rather than, are we going to crumble? And everyone in the world of football asking, you know, can Ipswich hold on at this point? It's like, well, can we get ourselves back in there? And actually, that carrot is probably a little bit of a bigger one. Now, listen, let's hear from Kieran McKenna before you answer that, uh, because he says he's not really thinking about the automatic promotion spot right now. There's a long way to go. Honestly, we don't think or talk about top two, and that's just the truth. Um, we know that we're competing above what you know could be expected, um, but you know we want to keep pushing. So um, yeah, I think there's, as you said, there's enough in the performances. I think it's another game where we've had you know much better at a game, more chances than the opposition, not give too much away. So we know that if you keep doing that over the course of 
a season, you know, you're going to pick up plenty of wins. But of course, there's frustration that, you know, we, we haven't won, we've drawn the game. But at, at the same time, again, we're not losing many. We're playing against some good teams, some big football clubs. And, um, you know, we're, we're really, really hard to beat. So there's, there's big positives from that. Adrian, what do you think? I, I think they're still in the mix. Mm. I do. And I, and I like their fixtures as well. They've got, they've, they've got most of the toughest ones out of the way. They've got Southampton at home. But then you look at the sec- the next hardest game is Coventry away, Hull away, Norwich away. And the bulk of their fixtures are against bottom half sides between now and the end of the season, Ipswich Town. So look, they're, they're four points behind Southampton, three behind Leeds in a, with a game in hand. Everyone's saying it's Leeds or Southampton, but why can't you say Ipswich is still in the mix? They're there for a reason. Two points per game they've averaged over 30 matches. That that It's not over for Ipswich. And I think sneak you know sneaking under the radar mm-hmm. might play into the hands you heard it here first uh, guys Adrian Clark uh, tipping Ipswich for automatic <laughs> promotion live on TalkSport 2 uh, let's very quickly talk about uh, the playoff picture um, because Coventry City live on TalkSport 2 yesterday ended up in the top six this weekend with a comeback win over Millwall Hadji Wright with a double taking him to 11 goals for the season let's hear from their manager Mark Robbins 15 games to go we're in the pack we're in a pack you know, wherever we're positioned at the moment, we're just in there and and, and fighting for uh, a space in that in those in those playoffs if we possibly can do. But you know, I think really it's about the result now. It's about the result. So sometimes you're going to get you're going to get games where uh, they're not going to be pretty, the prettiest of games to watch. But you've got to try and find a way of winning it. And a young group have found a way to win a game. It's brilliant. Well, seven points separate Cardiff down in 14th. And Coventry up in sixth. It's incredibly tight when we look at the playoff picture. But you, mm. you, you feel like you're getting more and more encouraged by Coventry because they just seem such a difficult side to beat right now. Yeah, look, I think over the last two or three months, they've been in almost automatic promotion form. So you have to respect Coventry. I think it was great that they came from behind against Millwall. Um, he's, he's reinvented that team amazingly well. Yeah. Not many survivors from last season. He's gone again and he's found another group that that I think now believe. And I think the supporters do as well. The, the recruitment's been great. Uh, uh, Torp came in in January. He's just taken to the championship like a duck to water. Mm. He looks a class act already. Come in for Ben Sheaf, who's out injured. So O'Hare is flying at the minute. And Hadji Wright, who had been quite inconsistent really in terms of performance levels is is sort of on, on a red hot streak so yeah I think Cov will get into the playoffs that's that's my feeling and then once they're in there they'll be pretty hard to beat because he's a smart guy Mark Robbins so that they'll be uh they'll be good match players if they if they do get there you heard it here first Adrian Clark back in Coventry to finish in the top <laughs> six he's he's all over the predictions tonight um listen you're listening uh, to EFL All Access in partnership with 888 Sport made to challenge made to debate made to play it's 18 plus begambleaware.org up next we'll be looking at some key results towards the bottom of the table on DAB plus online via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker EFL All Access on TalkSport 2 <laughs>
You're listening to EFL All Access on TalkSport 2 in partnership with McDonald's. Order McDelivery on the McDonald's app today and you can get yourself tasty rewards points. It's 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. I am Hugh Wizencroft alongside Adrian Clark reviewing the weekend's action in the championship. We'll stay there uh, for now because there's plenty to discuss. But let's move towards the bottom of the table, Adrian. And start with Stoke City. Their struggles continuing under Steven Schumacher. A fourth straight defeat. And it was a big game against another team exactly in the same position before the game. 3-1 against Blackburn. It, was, it wasn't really John Eustace's first game in charge. But he was there on the touchline in the second half shouting out instructions. And in fact, um, after watching from the stands in the first half, first team... Uh, coach Damien Johnson, who was officially in charge of the game, actually said he's been with us all day. We had three or four hours with him yesterday, so he did have a big influence on the result. And a lot of people saying Blackburn were far more direct, more of a counter-attack side. Clearly that worked for them. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's where he was at, at Birmingham City. He was really, really good at setting the team up solidly, but then breaking at, at real speed. And some of the football was lovely. We know that Blackburn have got some technically decent players. So, yeah, they'll have a very clear identity before you know it. And I don't blame him. You know, you mm-hmm. want to claim that first win. You want to get it on the board. And at 3-0 up, I think I think he saw, oh, this is an opportunity here to get my win ratio up to 100%. So, um, yeah, why not go downstairs, put the coat on and, and take the team for the second half. But, yeah, not such a good day for Stoke and... Yeah, it's a it's a bad run, and mm. I think performance levels and maybe maybe effort levels have have lessened. Schumacher got a tune out of the players at the start. They were pressing, they were ferocious, they were playing quick passing football, and it's tailed off a little bit. And mm. I think that is slightly alarming, and it it, it probably explains to Stephen Schumacher why the previous manager lost lost his job, and why the one before that went as well, because the group of players he inherited can't necessarily be relied upon for consistency. And the manager before that, and the manager before that, and the manager before that. It seems to be (laughs) like the Bermuda Triangle, Stoke City, Mm. Staffordshire at the moment, because it just swallows managers whole. I mean, listen, Mm. it's it's four results, four defeats against Birmingham, Sunderland, Leicester and Blackburn. And um, it wasn't the worst start in the world under Stephen Schumacher. Something has clearly, Mm. clearly changed. Let's hear from him, his reaction to that defeat to Blackburn. We understand again the, the fans and throughout that game, huge numbers travelled. And I said to the players at the end, they'll, they'll accept us if you have a, a bad touch or a bad pass, but we won't accept it. And I'm sure the fans won't accept it if if they don't do the basics right. And to start that game the way we did is just just not good enough. We've got to show some resilience and some bravery because we know we're going into two tough games now at home, two huge games, and we need to show some character. So. Stand up, get your chest up, and, and need people who, who are committed. So it's one of them. It's it's going to be a battle. As I've just said there from the first five, six games since we come in, I thought that was the strongest part of our team. Really solid, really um, really well organised, out of possession. But the last couple of games was just too open, and there's not enough people running back, and therefore you get punished. Fans are clearly frustrated at full time. What would be your message be to them? Um, again, I hear the, I hear the frustration. I, I accept it. We can we can understand it. That wasn't good enough from everyone. So um, all we can do is try and do something about it on Wednesday night. It's a huge game, and we're going to need the full support and, and back the players as much as possible. But the players have got to respond as well. We've all got to do something to get the fans' support because we've got to earn that. 
Uh, Stephen Schumacher there, the Stoke City boss, speaking to their in-house media. We appreciate them uh, letting us use that audio. But it is a huge game for Stoke in midweek. He refers to a game at home against Queen's Park Rangers. Clark, you're going to be there uh, for TalkSport on Wednesday night. It's now eight points in four games for a pretty resurgent Queen's Park Rangers. They're just two points off safety. Massive, massive fixture. Huge, yeah, because yeah, teams like Stoke and Birmingham ahead of them are, are, are stuttering a little bit. So Queens Park Rangers are, are, have got to got to keep keep their foot down, haven't they? And 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 Stoke are, are obviously low on confidence. The manager's not happy with them. That they, they don't have that many goal threats. I think that's the issue for Stoke. They, they they've got Niall Ennis who's, who got off the mark and obviously he hasn't been there long. Bayesian Ho is more of a winger. He was up front at the weekend, so. Yeah, this is going to be a scrap and I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it, but I'm not expecting a pretty game. I think that Stoke and QPR will, will it'll be a real physical championship battle and it's, it's who can hold their nerve really. As for QPR, I do think the the starting 11, now that they've got some injuries back, looks a lot stronger. They recruited Isaac Hayden, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, Premier League experience. He's in midfield with Cole back at the moment. That looks solid to mm-hmm. me. In defence, Clark Salter and Cook is a good partnership. And you've got Chair and Willock that, that are doing okay um, on the wing. So, yeah, Queen's Park Rangers have got a chance, I think, of, of piling more misery on Stoke. They have a chance to move level on points with them uh, if they can win the game. But it's as tight down the bottom as it is pretty much uh, when we look at the, the playoff picture. Uh, seven points at separating Sheffield Wednesday down in 23rd. Uh, and if I do my maths correctly, Millwall up in 18th. So very, very tight at the moment. That's not the only big game uh, at the bottom coming up. We were talking about um, Blackburn Rovers. John Eustace, of course, his real first game in charge is away at Birmingham City, who Woo-hoo. sacked him, yeah, in those controversial circumstances earlier on in the season. He gets a slice of possible immediate retribution for it. It would plunge Birmingham into big, big problems, especially given their defeat to Sheffield Wednesday live on TalkSport 2 here on Friday night. Let's hear from John Eustace just on that prospect of facing Birmingham. You know, I had fantastic time at Birmingham, uh, 15 brilliant months. Um, they're, they're a lovely, lovely club, good people to work for, fantastic squad of players. So it is what it is. Again, we, we grew a good culture there at the football club. You know, it was important that the fans saw that commitment uh, from the players uh, there. And, and, you know, they really bought into what we wanted to do. So, you know, I'm sure that will be a, a decent reception. No, definitely not. I've got no point to prove at all. I had 15 great months. We left the club in a really good position. You know, I've got no points to prove at all. The only point I want to prove is that I'm at a fantastic football club and I've made the right choice to to come to Blackburn Rovers and, and really help this team now push up the league. Well, he will, I think, get a positive reception at St Andrews. That was him speaking today, John Eustace, by the way, in his unveiling press conference, if you like. But again, it would be a massive, massive result for Blackburn. They've already kind of pulled themselves away with the victory over Stoke. Like they say, you've got to beat those uh, in and around you. This is another opportunity for them to do that. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, and and he'll be fired up. And look, if anyone knows the Birmingham City players, it's, it's John Eustace, isn't it? So you'd like mm. to think that that he'd have a little bit of knowledge about what what they like and what they what they don't like more pertinently those players. So yeah, it'll be a good game. I think Birmingham Birmingham battered Sheffield Wednesday for most of that game the other night. Twenty five shots. They just 
were terrible when it came to to the final shot, the final cross. Um, if they can get that right, Birmingham will sail up in towards mid table. But but if they don't, and that is a real possibility because it's a habit now, yeah. then then they could be in trouble. So yeah, it's um it's a huge huge game, and it'll be so embarrassing, wouldn't it, for for Birmingham City's owners who I believe are making the journey over from the States to be there for the game. Um, it'd be pretty embarrassing if if John Eustace rocks up at St Andrews and, and takes the three massive points away from them. So, yeah, pressure is on Mowbray and the players to to deliver. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can, can they do it? That's the big question. Yeah, yeah. And just finally on Sheffield Wednesday, very positive result for them, particularly off the back of the 4-0 defeat against Huddersfield out last time in the league, but also conceding in, in what, that eight, three goals in eight minutes in the second half in the FA Cup against Coventry mm. as well. So to bounce back in such positive fashion just a few days later in a fixture that was going to be so tense for them anyway, big positive mm. for Danny Roll. Uh, big time, yeah. Um, Paveda was really good. Ugbo mm. got himself a brace, didn't he? Um, I thought there was lots of resilience. So the thing that we questioned them about on the night, did they have enough resilience because they'd crumbled so badly in the previous two games? Well, they found some. They found some spirit and some heart and they defended with their lives. You know, they they worked ever so hard. They couldn't stem the tide, but they did obviously keep a clean sheet and they deserve credit for that. One, One thing that really struck me about being at Hillsborough is that the supporters are very much, um, fans of Danny Roll, the manager. Mm. They like him at the end of the, at the end of the game, they were singing his song, singing his name. He is the big positive around Sheffield Wednesday at the moment. There are lots of negatives, a few things they want changing, but one thing they don't want to change is the manager because I think they know they've got a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some big games uh, coming up for you in midweek in the Championship. We'll have you covered here uh, on Talk Sport 2. Um, two big get teams towards the top of the table in action tomorrow night Leeds United away at Swansea City Wednesday we'll have Millwall at home to Ipswich Town so uh, as I say a couple of big games coming Adrian you're going to be at the Swansea game uh, to see Leeds United yeah so a busy week for you as well Um, but yeah there was some good performance Leeds United good performance Leicester City beating Watford as well this weekend what what about Bamford though quickly Hugh If 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 you knock it in with your arm should you claim it or not? I I I lost a lot. Of should you claim it? Should, should you celebrate it? in front of the fans by by shoving your elbow out just to tell everyone how you finished it? Unbelievable <laughs> scenes. You know the players that used to score a header, and if they scored rarely with their head, they'd kind of look at the fans and go, "Can you believe it?" And they'd point Still at their Patrick heads. Bamford's supposed to be one of the most brightest footballers <laughs> in the EFL. Clearly not. <laughs> but, he, he, knows but, yeah, not he knows there's not VAR. He knows there's not VAR. No one's chalking it off. Yeah, <laughs> unbelievable scenes. Anyway, we'll see if he can uh, score with his foot this time around on TalkSport tomorrow night. Adrian will be there. Let's dive into League One here on EFL All Access. Myself, Hugh Wizencroft, the former uh, Stevenage and Arsenal midfielder, uh, Adrian Clark, are with you. Let's talk about Nathan Jones, shall we? Uh, His first game in charge of Charlton Athletic was a 2-0 loss at Reading on Saturday. Two fantastic goals, I do have to say, from Femi Aziz. But already it looks like... He's facing an uphill battle, Nathan Jones. Charlton moving in the wrong direction. Uh, They are only outside of the relegation zone on goal difference. Um, Before we hear from him, how would you describe the size of the job that he's currently got at Charlton? Yeah, he's under pressure. It's it's a pressure job because Charlton, you know, they're level on points with Port Vale, but 
Port Vale got two games in hand. So effectively, Charlton are in the relegation zone and he's got to get them safe. Charlton cannot, they cannot drop into League Two. That would be absolutely disastrous for a club of their size. Um, they've got excellent strikers, Ladapo and May. They've got good footballers throughout the team. You look at the names and you think, well, that's a, that's a top half team. That's a team that's good enough to challenge for the playoffs. But they've got, they've got a soft underbelly. They've conceded way too many goals this season. They've scored one less than Stevenage. So that's not a problem. It's at the other end of the pitch. And he's got to, got to sort that out quickly. Um, keep them up. And then he can build. He keeps talking about the long term and, and, and the project. And that's great. But that project has to begin in League One, not League Two. So results are absolutely paramount. But I've got confidence. He's, he's an old mate of mine, Nathan Jones. Mm. Played with him at South End. And, I like, you know, I like Nathan. And I think that he is a good manager. And I think he will get them out of this trouble. But there'll be bumps in the road because this group are used to losing and they're used to conceding too many goals. Is there a chance that it, he takes it too personally um, in that it, it went so disastrously in the Premier League at Southampton? He, he finds himself now in League One, not even back with a championship job and so desperate to show everyone that he is a good coach. Is there maybe a danger that the focus is too much on him, too much on him showing what he can do and maybe not on the team? Well, yeah, he's, he's got to learn from his mistakes. I think I think Nathan maybe spoke a little bit too much when he was at Southampton, gave too many sound bites to the press and and the focus ended up being on him. The spotlight was on him too much. He's had a year away and I think he'll have reflected, worked out what, you know, what he's best at. And I think that he's best on the training ground. He's, he's, he's a fantastic coach. He'll get them going, he'll get them fitter, he'll get them stronger and he'll get them better organised and, and I do, th- I do think he'll get it right, but he's got, he's just got to be a little bit careful. I, I would be keeping quite a low profile in his, in his shoes right now. Concentrate on the coaching, and and yeah, I, I believe in him. I believe it will come good for Charlton. Let's quickly hear from the man himself, reflecting on that two nil defeat against Reading. Well, we knew that before we came in, you know, and the players have been really responsive. And as I said, I know the old cliche is Rome won't build in a day, and and you you don't build big things in, uh, in you know, in three or four days. What we do is set in in place a bit of foundations. I thought there was a lot of good things that come out of the game on the weekend, but we we just didn't defend too too long throws. If we defended that, we we could have come away with a clean sheet and said, look, there's there's a little platform to work on. We, we want to be better in all levels, but that comes with time. Positive result for Reading. We do have to mention them very quickly. Yeah, yeah. They, they look like they've got enough to stay up and it looked like doom and gloom at the start of the campaign. How's it all turned around? Well, Ruben Sellers and the players deserve massive amounts of credit because the club's in crisis. The fans, you know, despise the owner. It's, it's been, you know, they've had points deductions, wages haven't been paid on time, etc., etc. So for them to be delivering in the way that they are, scoring lots of goals, winning games... Is, is fantastic. It shows what good professionals they are. Femi Aziz, who scored two great goals from those long throws at the weekend that Nathan was talking about. Um, he, he's on fire at the moment. And I look at their starting eleven, and it's, it's pretty good. You know, Sam Smith and, and Harvey Nibs is, is, is a good tandem at the top end of the pitch. And yeah, they've got, they've got decent players, especially in midfield and, and the forward areas. Uh, elsewhere in League One, Barnsley now up to fourth. Uh, only one defeat in their past twelve games. How credible promotion candidates are they? Well, they're credible. It's it's wide open at the top of League One. Mm. Who knows who's going to go up? We said at the start of the season, it's there for it's there for teams that have sort of 
been there or thereabouts, but not quite got over the line. Because it's in a way, it's a more even League One this this season, in my opinion. And and Barnsley, look, they score a lot of goals, um, and and they win games as a consequence. Yeah, I think obviously they've got Devante Cole, who, who's their leading marksman. He's excellent. Um, Adam Phillips and and Herbie Kane as the two sort of attacking midfielders are terrific. They got good wing backs. They're, they're quietly going about their business, aren't they, Barnsley? All the eyes are on Pompey, Bolton, Derby and Peterborough, but but Barnsley are there or thereabouts. One thing I'll say about them, though, is that their, their record against promotion rivals is not good. So for them to stand any chance of sneaking in, I think they have to beat the teams around them. And that's something they've they've not done so far this season. What's happened to Peterborough? One point from the last 12 available. Three straight defeats, conceding five this weekend uh, when taking on Wickham. Um, oh, what, the keeper's what, had a mare. Did yeah, you see it? I, I did, think... I did, I did. The, the last one in particular kind of underlined his, his afternoon. Um, just short passes out and putting himself and the defence under pressure. Mm. They, they never look composed at the back, really. No, no, that's a bad result. And it's been an awful run for them. Um, what I will say is that some of their key players have been out injured for a while, you know, at the fullback positions and, and up front as well. Poku, who's a tremendous talent, he, he's been out, I think, for seven games. But word is that Poku will be back this week uh, in midweek. And so will Efron Mason Clark, who obviously mm. they sold to Coventry and then they've loaned for five million, by the way. You know, that's how good a player he is. Mm. Been loaned straight back to Posh and... And yeah, he was unavailable at the weekend, so so he'll feature in midweek as well. So yeah, they they can't afford to keep you know throwing goals away like they do. They've got a great forward line, but you can't score three or four every. You can't need to score three or four every game if you want to go up automatically. That yeah. defence has got to sort itself out. Yeah, two important home games on the horizon. Uh, taking on Port Vale at home tomorrow, and then Blackpool come to town at the weekend before they meet. Okay. Uh, in the other way around, the other way around in terms of the grounds, uh, the Tuesday afterwards in the Football League Trophy semi-final. So an important 10 days or so uh, for Darren Ferguson. Um, Oxford United, no win in their last five matches now. Uh, in League One, which is not really what they want. Um, they're still seventh in the table, but how do they stop this slide? Mm, yeah, I mean, they've, they've had quite an awkward run, actually. Obviously, they went to Blackpool. It's, it's actually not a bad result. One all away at Blackpool, who mm. have, I think, the best best home record. So, and, and did you, I don't know if you saw the, the open goal. Billy Bowden, had a, it was one of the misses of the season, mm. really, to, to win the game there. So, before that, they played Inform Reading. Before that, it was Portsmouth. And, you know, they didn't lose those games. They they just got draws. So I don't think there's any need for, for Oxford to panic. They've got they've got decent players and a manager that's got an affinity with the club. And he just, he just needs a little bit of time. What they've got to do is start beating their, their main rivals at home. And they've got a load of them between now and the end of the season. They've got Posh at home, Stevenage at home. Orient, Lincoln, Northampton, all in the top half at the Kassam. So, you know, it's, that's how their season will be defined. Can they win those games? If they can, they'll be in the playoffs. Important wins, just to uh, note them this weekend. Cheltenham getting a win away from home at Cambridge and a clean sheet as well. Uh, Gary Caldwell with Exeter uh, going yeah. to Wigan, his flying, former club. Yeah. yeah, flying at the moment. Four wins in five for them. Um, so a very good performance once again this weekend amongst, to be fair, uh, quite a few 
uh, up and down the table. It wasn't a day uh, for the accumulators. Let's put it that way in League One this weekend, but very entertaining. Uh, nonetheless, you're listening to EFL All Access in partnership with 888 Sport. Made to challenge, made to debate, made to play. It's 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. UFL All Access on TalkSport 2. Listening to EFL All Access on TalkSport 2 in partnership with McDonald's. Uh, order McDelivery on the McDonald's app. You'll get tasty reward points. It's 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Hugh Wisencroft alongside Adrian Clark. And just enough time to get to the big stories in League 2 next. And we have to start with Wrexham. Um, because they take all the headlines from this division, rightly or wrongly, due to the, the owners, particularly when you look around the landscape of sport. You know, the focus in this league has been on Wrexham. Um, but their promotion push looks like it might be stumbling. Three straight defeats, four defeats in their last six matches. What is going wrong for Phil Parkinson's side? We're pleased we can, we can get out on the pitch again on Tuesday night. Um, yeah, and we've got to take the pain of, of losing. We haven't had it much and um, we haven't been on a run where it's not gone our way. We've had so much go our way in, in, in games um, and we've deserved that with the way we played. At the moment, yeah, things have gone against us, some of our own making, we have to say that. Um, but today, it just wouldn't fall for us when we really needed it to. And of course, there's areas we can be better at, we know that. Um, but the lads responded well during the week and today and on another day we could have won that game comfortably So Phil Parkinson taking the positives Adrian do you see it the same way? Uh, well he's got to try and put a positive spin on it you don't want to get into too much of a rut do you but but yeah it's, it's an unexpected run I didn't see it coming they'd scored at least twice in every home game so to lose 1-0 at home to his former club will have been a bitter pill to swallow he's mm. putting on a brave face there um I just think they've had a dip. Is they've had a lot of lot of emotional energy, obviously getting promoted and then you know they've got the cameras following them around all the time as well. It mm. it can it, it, sooner or later it will catch up with you, I think. And and they're just having a flat spot at the minute. I think performance levels have dipped a bit. But in the game against Bradford, they had the bulk of the chances, they had all of the ball, and it was just one of those days where they that they kept missing opportunities. Elliot Lee, who's a real key mm. player for them. I think he's got 13 goals this season from midfield. He's not scored in seven. So if he if he hits a flat spot and Paul Mullin does, yeah. and I think he's not scored in three or four, then then Wrexham are, are bound to take a little bit of a hit. Mm. I think that's that's what they're experiencing right now. I, I'm pretty confident they'll they'll come on with a second wind. Uh, let's talk about Notts County. Not all Stuart Maynard's fault, but now no win in five for them. They've slipped to tenth in League Two. Three points off the playoffs, though. Um, it, it's a difficult one at, the, at this point in time because new manager, new views. Um, you know, it might just take the players some time to adapt to what he wants from them. Obviously, they want the results to go a little bit better. Is it just a transitional period? It's a massive transition because this is Stuart Maydard's come from part-time management. Mm, mm. It's his first pro manager's job. So it's a huge upheaval for him. And he's got to get used to putting on sessions every day and, and working as a full-timer, which, which is, you know, it's not going to be something you adapt to straight away. I think that County have got to see this as a 
as a season where they just establish themselves. They find that, you know, they continue their identity under a new manager. Um, what he's got to do, though, is stop stop the goals going in. I mean, against Gillingham, who aren't exactly prolific, every time the ball went into the box, they looked like conceding a goal. It was, And that's been the story of their season. Very much weak at the back. What I would say about Notts County is Notts County have a table-topping attack. I would say they're as good as Stockport in terms of their forward line. But the rear guard is 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 a relegation rear guard in terms of their performance levels this season. So they've got to they've got to improve that aspect of their play. And yeah, it, it, they might not do that in time to make this season's playoffs. But I think come next season, you know, once this manager gets adjusted to it all, um, they'll be there or thereabouts because it's an ambitious club. 3-1 defeat, by the way, I should say, at home to Gillingham. I should have told you a little bit earlier on that Wrexham were beaten by Bradford. Obviously, you mentioned uh, Phil Parkins' former, former side, but there you go. Those are results uh, this weekend. Uh, Carl Robinson and Salford City. A little bit of positivity uh, for them this weekend. Another positive result. It wasn't a victory. one all draw at Swindon. Mm. But six games without defeat for Carl Robinson since arriving is exactly the kind of impact the club would have wanted. Oh, totally, because they were in relegation trouble. Make no mistake, they were they were right in it. And now suddenly you, you're thinking, well, they're, you know, they're they're coming up towards mid-table. There's no way that they're going down. I think, they've yeah, they've built up a 13-point cushion now thanks to this unbeaten run, which has featured three wins, three draws. Only one clean sheet, but I'll tell you what, that's a big, big improvement for Salford City because that was their Achilles heel, much like Notts County. They were conceding multiple goals in too many games. It was asking a lot of their all-star attack. And it's got loads of top players at League One, at League Two level going forward. Matt Smith obviously is the is mm. the main man up top. But but yeah, what he's also done, um, Carl Robinson, is is blood a few of the younger players, which I think has has, has given this team a lift. Mm. And and sometimes that's that's all it takes. Just get a couple of fresh faces in. And yeah, Junior Luamba and Kelly M. Nye were kind of promoted from the reserves and and they played at the weekend, young young boys. But sometimes that just gets everybody going. And and the supporters like it, don't they, Hugh, when when someone comes through from the youth team or the or the resis. So yeah, um, yeah he's, he's stamping his mark on Salford and it's a dream start. And uh yeah, you would imagine with the backing that they've got for, from the owners that that come next season they might be among the promotion challenges with with him in charge because he is proven. Yeah. I mean, you don't get much more proven than Carl Robinson in the in the bottom two leagues. He's he's almost always successful. Uh, let's talk about Newport. Uh, mm. What a first half, really. Four wins on the spin uh, for them. Uh, they won 3-0 at uh, Walsall this weekend, but they host Notts County tomorrow. I know we mentioned them a few moments ago. Given where they are, very similar in terms of the table, it's going to be a tough fixture nonetheless, despite Notts County's uh, current form. Where do you think mm. Newport are headed right now, If they can, particularly if they can keep this form going? Well, I, I read that uh, Graham Coughlin, the, the manager, has banned the P word. Playoffs, <laughs> he says. You can't. No, I don't want to hear anyone talk it. Uh, I don't want to hear it spoken. But but we're going to speak about it because the the trajectory that they're on is that, that they could sneak in. Uh, and I tell you what, the two two teams that deserve the biggest praise for the overachievement so far this season, maybe outside of Barrow and Crew, who are really flying, are Harrogate Town and Newport County. Mm. I had them both. I think maybe in the bottom three. When I was making pre-season predictions, 
Yeah, Harrogate, I think, seventh. Seventh, yeah. Yeah, and Newport are, are, are probably one of the, well, they are top of the eight-game form table. Mm. You know, no one's been better across the last eight games than, than Newport County. So, And they're doing it in quite an attacking way as well. They're scoring goals. Will Evans has been flying. I think 17 he's got. Um, there's some clean sheets chucked in there as well. They beat Wrexham, didn't they, uh, with a clean mm. sheet. Beat Walsall with a clean sheet. Uh, clean sheet win at Donny as well. So um, he'll be he'll be thrilled with, with how they're performing. And yeah, the budget is not the biggest at Newport. So well played, uh, Graham Coughlin. I guess when you, you, you're two goals down against Manchester United, you come back, you score two. You know, mm. even though they went on to lose the game, you can take so much confidence from showing yourselves what you can do against a Premier League quality side, albeit, you know, people can criticise Manchester United. I think it's still a big step uh, from where yeah. Newport are. So it was certainly something for them to build on, although it came in the middle of this run. I think they, the, mm. the confidence is just generally growing and they can go on and on and on from here. Um, Adrian Clark, thank you so much for being great company.